Hello and welcome to the Age of Light podcast. I'm your host, Darlene, a certified coach and hypnotist that is dedicated to supporting you as you reignite your fire. Together, we will cover topics from well-being and spirituality to confidence and business. Get ready to be activated and receive your permission slip to be authentically you and live beyond limits. So let's shake up your belief system and step through the portal of possibilities. Be warned, this podcast will lift your vibration. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. This episode is a very special one. I do apologize for the sound quality. Apparently, my microphone wasn't working and I did not know, sadly. Um, There was another episode that this has happened with as well, so I apologize. I hope you can still enjoy it. Um, But I absolutely love Sarah Blake. I love all of her content. I have deeply resonated with her message. Um, And we actually had her on the podcast um, last year, a while ago. So go check that out if you haven't already. And this time we speak all things body related and food related, which is a journey that I have gone through myself. Um, If, of course, you have um, an issue with listening to food related um, or eating disorder related topics, then I recommend turning this episode off now. Um, But this is a deep dive into our experiences, into my experience with food, my relationship with food and how that has evolved as well as tips to change that. Um, So if this is something that you do feel like you can listen to, then please do. Also feel free to check out Sarah. I'm going to link all of her links below. Um, She's incredible. And please do leave a review. It helps other people find the content and the people that I share on this platform too. Um, I would really appreciate that. Plus, it just gives me a better insight on what you like. So yeah, I hope you enjoy. So tune in, get yourself a cup of tea. This is a little bit of a long one, but it's definitely worth it. Lots of love. Hello and welcome to the podcast, Sarah Blake. Hi. Hi, thanks for having me. (laughs) Hello. Um, We've been talking for quite some time now and it's so good to have you back. Um, Last time we spoke um, about hormones and everything and um, that was such an interesting conversation to have and I feel like, especially with the content you've been sharing lately in terms of um, your program Ignite, um, I really wanted to speak to you more about um just food and our bodies because that's for me personally been a really big topic in my life and for you as well from what you've shared um so yeah i'm really excited to have this conversation with you Uh, i'm excited to share about this i've only i think i've had one other podcast interview that was specifically more about like food and body and it's been such a thing that I've wanted to share for so long, but it also felt weirdly even more vulnerable than talking about periods. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just grateful to have more opportunities because this work is something I'm so passionate about and it's so close to me um, that I've been looking for a way to build up like, okay, I want to be known for this as well because this ties into my other work. And I think I've, not addressed it because again, it's been personal, but I'm like, 
I don't think people can get the full sense of what I'm really about without this piece. So I'm very grateful to to get to share about it today. Mm, yeah, I'm so excited as well, because I mean, it is such a journey. And I guess, it, it, you know, it relates everything, food, everything comes together with hormones and the way that your body just works and lives. And I mean, yeah, it's, it's insane. Um, well, do you want to share a little bit about your journey about um, how you've kind of, you know, navigated things to sharing it today? Yeah, sure. Um, let me feel into how, how early in my journey I want to start. Well, I guess I'll start from just my own self-consciousness about my body probably started when I was four or five. I don't know if you relate to that. Like, what do you, when do you think you were first conscious of your body and body image? I mean, definitely around the age of six, because that's when I moved across um, to Portugal and I was so aware of everything. Um, so definitely around that time. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. So I think I was four or five and I was one of the tallest people in my class, like even taller than a lot of the boys, which is so funny now because I'm such an average height. And I think as a child, I was always taller and then also heavier just because of my height, right? Even just that um, made me a bit of a larger kid, even though, um, and we were talking about this before we hit record about looking at old photos and realizing you didn't look the way you thought you looked. Like I've been looking at a lot of old childhood photos and um, I, I was a pretty average looking kid, but I just had this awareness that no, like I'm bigger, there's something different. I also on my dad's side came from a family that was very image conscious because my grandparents on my dad's side were actors. Mm -hmm. And so even though um, they weren't like, you know, they weren't in Hollywood or anything, they were theater actors. So they weren't like on that whole, um, I guess, like LA lifestyle, green juice kind of uh, mm -hmm. regime, but they were very much just conscious of image. And I was always very conscious of image. And I, I know I have from the age of 11, I started to have diary entries that were talking about how good I was because I didn't have a snack that day. Or, you know, I was tracking what I ate, like the whole day and writing it in my little diary and talking about, you know, okay, I think I can lose five pounds. And I would keep the the doctor, my pediatrician would write down my height and weight on a little slip of paper for my mom just to keep from year to year. I don't really know why, but I would find this little like envelope she had with all those slips of paper in it and like look at my weight and see like, okay, like I don't want to gain too much more weight by my next appointment. And it was a whole thing going on in my head. Um, as a teenager though, it really took a bad turn where I um my patterns became a lot more clearly disordered and eventually was diagnosed with an eating disorder. Um, that was sort of after the fact, which was unfortunate because a lot of my healing journey was on my own. And then my doctors were like, Oh yeah, like you, you had an eating disorder. Do you still have it? And I was like, well, it's, it's such a hard thing because this whole disordered eating is, a, is one of the most private concealed disorders, I think. I mean, I, I can't speak to that uh, necessarily because I this was really my thing. And I'm sure other illness 
illnesses and disorders that people deal with are very concealed. But from what I can gather, stuff with food is often very like done very secretively. And I was holding back a lot of information from my doctors at that time as well. Like when they were like, what did you eat today? Or what was your, what are you eating? I would sort of just make things up that I thought they would want to hear, you know? So anyway, um, I made a commitment when I was about 15 or 16 that I was going to be thin at any cost. I started having like very intense, workout regimen. And I had like a very strict eating plan, which I'm not going to share the details of because I, that is I think too triggering for people. Um, but I got to this point where I lost my period. And so this is where my work with cycles and my work with body and food intersects. And this is why like the stuff about cycles and periods, you know, it came first, but really the root of the whole reason I got into this work was because of my relationship with food and my body. Mm -hmm. And, um, after I started to heal that and gain a lot of the weight I needed to get my period back, I entered this time of my life where I realized I don't want to be restricting and dieting anymore necessarily, but also I feel like really out of control and not in a good way. And I didn't know how to just have a normal quote unquote relationship with food, which interestingly enough, like normal is such a general word like what does that mean right but when i say that to people and the women that i work with they totally get it they're like yes i just want to feel normal i don't want to feel like i have to calculate everything i also don't want to feel like i'm going to look at a plate of cookies and want to eat all of them at once like i just want to feel like my body is the one guiding it and that's really what i believe and what my food philosophy is now is it's very body based it's like okay well you're not necessarily what's best for you is not necessarily eating 30 cookies, but it's also probably not never eating cookies. And that right balance can only like no one can say, okay, here's your dietary plan and give it to you. And that's, what's going to be right. Because guess what? Our lives, the way the number, the number of calories we expend every day is different. Maybe there's an average, but it is different. We do different activities every day. Our hormones are different every day. We have to be really responding on a moment to moment basis to our appetite and to our cravings um, and to like what's really going on with our energy and how we're feeling and how we're functioning. So this is really the whole new way that I developed over a few years when I was just so committed at that point to healing and not getting back into the roller coaster of, okay, now I'm going to like lose a bunch of weight, but then maybe I'll lose my period again. Or maybe I'm going to, you know, just endlessly gain weight, which was, you know, sorry to say a fear. Like I didn't want that. And we were talking a little bit before the interview about fat phobia, but I think all of us, we just, it's not even so much about that. It's more this feeling of being out of control and disconnected from your body and feeling that sense that like, this isn't really working for me. Yeah. So that was the whole journey. And I think what happened in terms of me feeling ready to share, because there's around the same time that I healed my hormones and really started learning about cycles was the time that I healed all my stuff with food. Like they absolutely went hand in hand. And so for the last like seven years, my relationship with food and my body has been so wonderful and like loving. And I have friends who, you know, will talk to me about 
having rough days in their body or feeling pressure da, da, da. and I'm like I, I can relate but I also can't relate anymore it's interesting because I'm like yes I totally know what that's like but I also I don't go through that anymore and I think something that happened this year was when I was really thinking about okay what what am I really here to do like what if in my business what can I share that I feel like I've truly mastered and that there are people around me who just have not and like don't have to have trouble with this and are, you know, dealing with problems. Um, this was such a big area that came up and because it's so tied, like you, like you already mentioned to the hormones and cycles, it just seemed like this needs its own dedicated space. And that's how ignite was born. And that's just how this new focus has started to kind of gain momentum um, for me. Yeah. Wow. Wow, what a journey. Um, there's something that came to mind um, when, you know, you were talking about your mom keeping the slips of um, your height and your weight. Um, I was listening to an episode of this podcast called um, We Can Do Hard Things by Glennon Doyle. Mm-hmm. And um, I love Glennon Doyle. Um, and there was this episode where um, I can't remember what it was called, but she had two kids and she took them to the doctors and she said to the doctor, I do not want you to comment anything negative about my kid's weight. And what happened was one of the kids he didn't say anything to and the other one, he said, oh, well done. You're keeping such a good weight. And she was obviously, well, Glennon was obviously like, what? what? Um, so the next time she went in and said, you have absolutely no right to say anything good or bad about my kid's weight and kind of set that boundary to make sure that they didn't receive any encouragement to keep doing or any negative feedback to their weight, um, which I thought was a very good approach that I'd never heard before. Well, and, and for kids too, it's so tricky because, and my mom used to say this actually. And first of all, I just want to clarify, like, I think my mom was a really, in many ways, positive influence for my body because she never wanted me to worry about it. And I think the fact that she had those like slips, it wasn't, she wasn't like tracking me. It was just the doctor gave them to her and she put them somewhere. So to just want to clear that up. But My mom always used to say that a lot of the time when kids are gaining a lot of weight really fast, it's before a growth spurt, you know? And so you can't start to say, okay, let's restrict your calories now because then their bodies are going to be like, well, we're literally pumping out growth hormone so that your kid can grow. And now for whatever reason, um, the body doesn't feel safe or able to do that. And you're sort of messing with like the natural processes that kids need to go through. And so it's just like, I think with kids, it's so incredibly treacherous. And because we absorb everything like a sponge, one little comment that when you're, you know, seven years old, that you're like chubby or something like that, you hold on to that identity your whole life. Like, I think that even when I was at my lowest weight, I still thought I was bigger, quote unquote, chubby, like whatever word you want to use. Um, because of an identity that I had adopted 
at a very young age. Mm -hmm. And that's just, you know, you take, you know, all about the subconscious, right? So we take everything as true when we're kids, our subconscious is soaking everything up. And so I think like, it's really, especially for kids, the whole tracking and the way it's done and the communication about it, it just needs to be so neutralized. And, and in, in many ways, just like non-existent, because if you have a, ha- a happy, healthy kid in the sense that like your kid is being a normal kid, like, yeah, they're playing at recess or, you know, and they're like eating meals and unless there's some sort of intense issue, like they're not eating, you know, they're only eating um, certain foods and they're not getting enough nutrients or, or something else that's like underlying, I think we need to really neutralize the whole approach. Um, and I actually am both nervous and look forward to seeing how I develop that with my own, you know, future children and kind of see like, how is that going to be different for them? And hopefully they won't go through what I went through. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, it's, yeah, it's, it's very tricky. Um, I find, but yeah, I'm just trying to think back to, you know, things that I did, especially when I was growing up, I would always wear really baggy clothes, like clothes that basically just made me disappear. Um, cause I didn't want any attention on me whatsoever. I was very much just kind of fit. I remember, but I remember someone, um, a family friend at the time commenting on on that and being like oh you never wear any colors you're always wearing gray you're always wearing dark colors and i became even more self-conscious about it and i was like well now i need to hide even more <laughs> it was like this weird yeah. progress but like we were speaking about before um i press record as well it's so interesting to look back at pictures where i thought i was huge where i thought i just I, I, yeah, that I, that I was incredibly big compared to everyone around me and I wasn't, and I wasn't at all. And I was completely normal, but my brain, um, I just completely saw myself. And I mean, like I said, some days I still do get this body dysmorphia where I just see something so different. Um, and it's so crazy to do that because, um, yeah, it's, it's, I have no sense of like what my body looks like. At least that's what it feels like. Um, and it's very, it's crazy to think back to how young that, that kind of starts, um, and how your brain just kind of registers that in a sense and twists that as well. Uh, I know, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, well, it's interesting because one of the ways that I went when I was kind of trying to heal my journey with food and also um, my mental health issues at the time was instead of restricting myself even more, I just said, I'm going vegan. And I I saw that a lot on social media, actually, from people, but um, it just made me restrict very sugary things. Um, But for me that was like a huge permission slip to eat whatever i wanted as long as it was vegan and that didn't necessarily mean it was always healthy but it gave me an end to so many more vegetables and a lot more nutrients but i don't know exactly what my way of thinking was but i think it was just cutting out unnecessary fats on meats and sugar and i just remember i remember the day where i filled my fridge with 
so much vegan stuff and I just said to myself you can eat whatever you want like that felt like (laughs) no I I totally relate I was vegan for I think it was either six years or almost six years and I and it was similar thing it was around um the time when it was actually a huge part of healing my relationship with food. And I would say, yeah, like we can see some of the nuances there, even with what you're talking about. Like part of it was like, yeah, you're restricting some things and you're trying to cut certain things out. But at the same time, it's also like this huge permission slip. And I think the mentality I adopted back then really served me, even though I ultimately didn't remain vegan, but just this mentality, then it just was like, now we widen it out to, all these other foods too. You know what I mean? So I think that that was um, a really big piece. And even though I agree, like there was this movement at that time where a lot of people were following, like, did you ever follow freely the banana girl? No. Okay. (laughs) It sounds so weird to just say that, but she was like this person who basically, I think she still has a YouTube channel. She was so like very, very vegan to the point that I think she only ate raw foods for most of the day. She basically lived on like bananas and watermelon and would have like salads, but she would eat like 15 bananas kind of thing. And so she would talk about, I know she would sort of talk about like, oh, well, because all of this food is like vegan and natural, like the reality is you can eat whatever you want. And it's only when you're eating, you know, animal products or these other things that you have to be careful. And she was really, really like thin toned lean. And I think a lot of people sort of bought into that. And it, in, in certain ways, I'm sure it caused a lot of disordered behavior, but I think there was also something about it that was very freeing because people were like, Oh, I could eat like 15 of these things if I want. Cool. Um, and it kind of, subtly also rewired for many people. I mean, I never ate 15 bananas, but it gave me that same mentality of, okay, well, I can eat whatever I want of these kinds of foods. And that was a freeing moment because it was a step forward from saying all foods have to be limited. You know, it was at least giving me a little bit. And I think it was progress. Um, Looking back, it was progress. And um Yeah, but it is interesting to see too, like the cultural shifts of like, eat like this, now eat like this. Now there's this whole move towards like more primal eating and like, you know, having a lot of like steak and butter and raw milk. It's like so the opposite of vegan, but it also shows you how culture works, right? We have one side and then we have pushback on the other side. And then eventually we come into some kind of maybe happy medium, hopefully, or we just get some other extremes, you know, back and forth. But um, yeah, it's, it's, especially when you're a teenager or in your early 20s, I think like you can get so influenced by what are other people doing and as you're trying to find yourself. And uh, I think there's a lot of danger in that, but it's also not all bad. Sometimes, you know, depending on the people you follow, they can really support you in creating a better relationship with food than what you grew up with maybe right depending on how your household was or how your family or culture around you was so yeah it's complex but it's interesting to note the trends and see you know what people are kind of getting involved with these days yeah no definitely I I mean I remember I can't remember the names of people I followed because uh, if I'm very honest that that part of my life is a really big blur 
I uh, like it's just I don't know mental health wise I feel like whenever we go through like really big things like especially I mean also I wasn't eating properly so I was probably my brain was probably not um registering things I remember I would um I would restrict myself to like one bar of like it was like these they were called giant bars they were just like oat bars with so much sugar in them but I would have like one and to just like keep me awake um and I just like think back and I like first I was just like first I had like a lot of frustration towards the person that I was but I feel like the older you get and the more you can look back on that is kind of like so much more compassion towards that person and also just so much celebration for the fact that you know now my relationship with food is very different I mean there's still things that I that I want to work on definitely um but it's gotten so much better i've always loved cooking so that's definitely not an issue um but yeah i think it's it's very interesting um to see that and i guess i mean part of it has also been inspired by let's say elisa Vitti. um you know um i started reading her book as well because i noticed throughout lockdown you know and i also gained a little bit of lockdown weight like probably a lot of other people have done as well and I started driving myself crazy a little bit again. I mean, I, I've always gone through phases over the last um, how many years. I e- I either, um, well, I've never really restricted food again. I've never really gone back to uh, to all of that, but I have definitely overworked out, which mm-hmm. I think people don't really recognize as an issue. People just kind of go, oh yeah, you can go to the gym six days a week. Um, and I, <laughs> Yeah, I went through a big phase like that and have done in the past as well. And there's such a big balance to be found with that. And I think when I started reading Elisa Vitti or finding more information through you and other people on social media, I realized that with your cycle, there's actually a reason why some days, you know, you don't have the full energy to do that or um, just really supporting that, which I like you're never told that like you're never told any of these things so you just keep going 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 until you fully burnt out and then you have to start from scratch um so yeah how how does that kind of relate i guess is there anything say if someone's listening to this and they're like where where can i start to find the balance is there anything that you would say to them Hmm. do you mean like with food only or like considering our cycles and our hormones as well. Yeah. But both okay. together. Yeah. Both together. Yeah. Okay. So the number, so I'm going to just give people a few guidelines, <laughs> which is funny because I am a very like anti, anti rules in many cases, but even in, in the first round of my program ignite that I just ran one of the days I was like, look, I'm going to tell you some things that like you actually need this. So I'm not going to pretend that you can just eat, you know, completely randomly, there are some things. But luckily, these things I'm going to share are very permissive. They're what I call permissive eating as opposed to restrictive eating. So for example, like we all need to eat breakfast. Sorry, you need to. Okay, like, I don't care if you're like, I'm not hungry in the morning, da 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 da. Like that's a sign that things are not functioning properly. Like you're something's not your liver, um, your blood sugar, there's issues. So 
a lot of the time, what I've noticed too, is when people start eating breakfast again, they start getting hungry for breakfast again. So it's kind of retraining your body. Another thing is we really ideally need to be eating like every three to four hours because we, those dips and those highs and lows in our blood sugar, um, when we're really hungry and our, our blood sugar drops and, and we start having more cortisol pumping through us, that's a stress response. And cortisol can actually block, especially progesterone. And most of us who have hormonal issues, progesterone is the, is the hormone that we're too low on anyway, or like the balance between estrogen and progesterone is off. And estrogen is friends with cortisol more than progesterone is like estrogen is a stimulant, just like cortisol. It's all about, you know, get up and do things, be awake, you know, and progesterone is the calm down, relax, get more sleep, you know? So we actually need to make sure we're not putting our bodies in stress response, um, all day by not eating frequently enough. And you know, what's so wild is, and I'm sure some people will relate to this and maybe you will too, back when you were really restricting hardcore, when you're in a state of being perpetually hungry, you can kind of feel a bit high, like in a good way, right? You're like, Oh, there's something. And it's like, yeah, that's, those are your stress hormones, like keeping you going. Like (laughs) that is not like, oh, I'm high and I feel good because I'm doing things that are good for my body. No, that is your body being like, okay, girl, let's make it because we think we're in a famine and we're trying to pump you with good chemicals so that you keep going Mm -hmm. and don't just lay down and die. Like, I know that sounds dire, but because of the way our bodies evolved, like that is the, that is what they think is happening as we are severely restricting food. So that's another piece of it. Another piece, um, when it comes to like hormones and, and this permissive eating philosophy is, um, having, Oh, I have two. And I was going to say one of them before the other. Now I'm debating which one to say. Mm. So, okay. I'll say this one first. So, um, recognizing your appetite is going to change throughout your cycle, I think is a big one because, I remember that those few days before my period, I would be like, why am I just not satisfied by any food? Like, why do I still want more? I remember one time being at my partner's parents' house when we were, it was still early on when we were dating. And I think I was like day 26 or 27, like really close to my period starting again. And he, I was like, I'm really hungry. And I knew we were going to have dinner in two hours, but I was just so hungry. And I somehow ate like a full bag of some kind of snacks, like chips, crisps, you know, whatever they were. And they were just gone. And I was like, that's really random. Like I've never really done that before, but my body was just like, nope, I need more. And I wasn't even full. I didn't feel sick after it. Like I burned through it so quickly. So here's what I want everybody to know. Your metabolism, your metabolism is burning hotter in that second half of your cycle. So you are going to be like eating things that you normally eat and then suddenly feeling like you burned it all off or that you don't even register that satisfaction the same way. And you have to trust that you have to trust that when you eat your normal serving size and it's not enough, that that actually means you need more instead of thinking, oh, but I usually only have, you know, one, one serving of this, or this is usually the size of a plate that I make myself for dinner or whatever it is. It's like, no, you are totally and should be fueling yourself with more food at that point. Because again, 
That is the time when we need our progesterone to be pumping. And if we're putting ourselves in stress response by under eating, we're not going to have a healthy uh, hormonal balance. And then the last thing I'll say, and this is something that the nutritionist I work with in um, Flow Create My Cycles program shares, and I really like it because some people might think this is a little too rules, rules e, <laughs> but I think it's just a good thing to keep in mind. Um, when we're eating, it's really great to have, to give ourselves more variety. So having, um, the nutritionist we work with talks a lot about having like carbs and protein and fat every time you're eating. Right. So not just like having like a cracker or something, but having like a cracker and cheese and maybe an apple or making it a little bit more more well-rounded, but then also diversifying the foods that you're eating. And I think what's really wonderful about this is we sometimes forget about the sensual experience of eating and how pleasurable and satisfying it can be. But, and, and we rob ourselves of some of the satisfaction that really comes from just like the textures and like unique flavor combinations and the feel of something going down. Like this was something we worked on in Ignite this round was like slow down and like notice how does the food look and appeal to you before you're eating it? And then like, what's the feel in your mouth? What's the feel in your stomach as you're processing it? And then two hours later, how do you feel? Do you feel like you're um, satisfied? Do you feel like your energy's weird? Do you feel wired? And that is actually how we build a relationship with food that's body-based. So I think having more like opening up this variety and recognizing like, oh, I don't have to just have like, you know, one thing, what if I make a fun little plate, even if it's just an afternoon snack and really sit down and slow down and enjoy it. And this is something I actually want to return to more because we were talking about, I'm in this sort of transitional phase of life. I'm just about to get married and we're doing stuff, work on our house. And I'm really looking forward to when things settle down, having slower, more relaxed, like meals that I can really savor, you know, with my partner and stuff when we're not running around as much, because that is so much of the satisfaction factor. And I think one of the reasons why we feel disconnected from our bodies and food is we're not in the rest and digest state when we're eating, we're in the stress state, right? We're in the let's go, you know, like we got to do something else or we're distracted. And so our bodies are not even really properly registering what we're doing. So those were some general guidelines that I think just we all need to know. And I don't, again, you know, people might have different perspectives on this, but I really believe that that is, those are all really permissive rules. And they're just reminding you, fuel yourself, feed yourself, nourish yourself properly, um, because you're going to feel better and you're going to function better. And that honestly is such a priority because when you're feeling better and when your digestion is functioning and everything is functioning, you can live a better life because you're not lethargic. You're not like wondering why, you know, you haven't gone to the bathroom for like three days or something, whatever is going on. Um, I think they're just really important things to recognize. And there's so much freedom in that, but there's still some things that like, sorry, your body kind of comes with built-in systems. Like you can't really bypass them and just be like, I'm just going to you know, eat this one random thing. Like, no, your body does have requirements. And when we do follow those requirements to a certain extent, and they're more generous than we believe. We believe that we have to follow these really strict rules. No, there's a lot more generosity and spaciousness in what our bodies need, but there are still some things that we can be mindful of. Yeah. 
Wow. No, I find that so helpful. Um, I definitely am still trying to figure out um, what my body needs um, mm -hmm. in so many ways. I mean, suddenly <laughs> I, I've become intolerant to three different things very randomly um, over the last year. Um, which it always makes me giggle because it's the most random thing. So I'm apparently intolerant to avocado, quinoa, and now broccoli. Like broccoli out of the blue decided I love broccoli. I've eaten broccoli my whole life. Um, and suddenly my body just decided, nah, don't like this anymore. Um, <laughs> I know it's really weird. And I spoke to, I obviously spoke to a doctor about it. And um, uh, yeah, it's just really bizarre. Um, with my body but i used to experience a lot of bloating like pretty much every meal especially meals going out and eating somewhere i would always have a stomach like triple the size um and i noticed that that was happening a lot when i ate out and when i used pre-made things from the supermarket even if it was pre-made sauces so over the last like two years I've really been eating as much veg and just homemade things as possible, which really, really helps. But I, I personally love cooking. So for me, it's not an issue to make, you know, dinner with an extra portion for the next day. Um, but I do see a lot from here in the UK, like a lot of people feel like they don't have the time to do that. So they just grab like a meal deal, like a sandwich, a bag of crisps. I don't know if you've seen the meal deals when you were here, um, but there were- oh, no, I did. <laughs> you, did, you did, they were in every like little supermarket. So it's like a three pound or a four pound deal where you just get a little sandwich, a bag of crisps and a drink for that. And everyone like goes and grabs that because it's nice and quick and easy. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's, great for you or it's going to keep you full for a very long time like i um i mean i don't know what you think but i never think uh, like that that a sandwich is lunch like whenever i see people just eat a sandwich that's just it for lunch i always think now nah, this is like isn't this like supposed to be the time like the halfway point of the day is where you have a big meal so that you can keep get going for the rest of the day um but why are we like having a sandwich for lunch and then a big a big meal at the end of the day when you're not doing anything for the rest of the day? I don't know. That's just that's just what I think. But um, yeah, yeah. I I think I think it's so interesting to see the cultures around food and especially I think in the UK and in probably the US and maybe in Canada. But I don't know. I think Canada at least where I live in Toronto, like it's so multicultural. I think Canada's, I don't know if this is recent statistics, but at one point Canada was the most culturally diverse city in the world. This might not be relevant anymore, might not be true anymore, but there was a point when it was. And so I think like there's not sort of um, a typical, like this is a Toronto lunch. Like people, some people will be grabbing sushi and some people will be getting like you know, a curry or this or that or whatever, depending on their own norms, right? It's so interesting. But I think it's just really important to be aware of um, how those choices are making you feel. Because mm. I never want to say like, okay, if that's that meal deal style lunch is what you want to eat every day, like, 
you shouldn't, what's wrong with you? But like you said, it's really like, are you feeling good? Is this fueling you? Is this, you know, is this enough for you? And maybe for some people it's not really enough, but maybe it's enough for three hours and then they just need to be aware that they need to eat something else after. Um, I don't like, like to get into that whole thing about, well, this has too much fat or this has too much sugar necessarily, because I really think your body will start to tell you when something feels too much of something, you know, like either you'll start to get sick of it or not crave it anymore, or you'll just notice that you keep feeling lethargic. I think the real issue isn't so much that like that people need to be better informed about their choices. I think what it is, is people need to be um, better informed or not even informed, but better aware of their bodies because so much of diet culture has told us eat this because it's healthy. Even if you, after you eat a salad, you don't feel like you've eaten anything. Mm -hmm. It's healthy. And so we're kind of used to like disconnecting our feeling from our food. Mm -hmm. And so if we don't feel satisfied, we're like, Oh, well, that was my my salad for the day, or that was my sandwich for the day. That gotta be enough. I'll just have to be hungry for the rest of the day. And one thing I work a lot on is really helping people develop a point of almost constant satiation. Like you shouldn't be going through your day with these feelings of like, wow, I'm really full from that meal. And then, oh my gosh, I'm ravenous and I'm so ready to eat. Like you want it to be fairly even keel when you're starting to think about food again, when you maybe notice the slightest twinge of hunger or a slight drop in your energy, that's a sign it's time to eat, right? It's not like you, you choose your portion for that meal and then good luck until the next one. So I really think that we have to remember that what people say is a meal or a, you know, whatever the meal deal, maybe that's not a full, but maybe that's not enough of a meal for you to last until your next meal, but maybe it'll be hold you over for a few hours. So for me, it's so much more about, so yeah, let's eat that thing. And then let's see what did that do for us? And what are we learning about ourselves through noticing how we feel and noticing the level of satisfaction and noticing like just our energy levels and how clear were we able to think and how, you know, how motivated we are to continue our day. And that sort of, I believe creates these um, memories, these like sense memories in our body of, okay, that thing, I remember that made me feel really good. So now I want to eat that. But unfortunately, so many of us are just on autopilot or we're disregarding the signs from our body because we're like, well, the culture told me this was lunch. So there's my lunch, (laughs) you know? Yeah. No, I totally see that and agree with that. Um, and I think that's such a better way to looking at it. I always try to picture um, my stomach as a tank, like as like a, a car tank, like you need to fuel it in order to go anywhere. Um, it's something that I've been definitely working on and I've been bringing many more snacks, um, fruits and snacks and cookies and biscuits and anything um, that keeps me going in the office, because I've really noticed that as well, that that kind of hanging on until lunch feeling, you kind of have breakfast and then you're supposed to be hungry and work hungry until, you know, on the dot, and then you run to the microwave and make your lunch and you eat it. Uh, Like there's no tomorrow because you're starving. Um, And yeah, I can really see how that's not really, that's not really great. Um, but it does make you feel great. So 
No. And something um, that I love how, like reminding people with, and some people, this doesn't relate because they have food issues from so, so far back. But I like, when you think about being a really young child and sort of having little snacks throughout the day and how, you know, you're so little, but you're burning so much energy and you just need that like, fuel every couple of hours. And a lot of the time, I actually find it kind of beautiful for healing our inner child is like, enjoy snacks again. First of all, you kind of need them. I mean, most of us do. And secondly, it it is kind of healing because it's this reminder that like, yeah, this food is working for me. Like I'm not trying to control this food or it doesn't have control of me. Like this is, this is my little moment to, to take care of myself and to nourish myself. And I remember when I worked, um, when I was living in New York and I worked at the university that I was studying at for my master's, um, I was always the one in the office who was like constant, not constantly snacking, but pretty much mid in the middle of my shift. Cause I had a, like an afternoon shift. I was working part-time in the middle of my shift. I would pull out my little, like, um, whatever snack I had for that day. And I was looking around me and seeing all of these, like, people just kind of going through and not eating. And I was like, how do they do this? Like, I just need this fuel. And not for, you know, not to say that this was any form of superiority at all. But interestingly enough, I was like one of the smallest, both height wise and body mass size, like in the whole space. And I'm like, it was just funny because I'm like, yeah, like, I'm the one like this one person like eating all day long. (laughs) And people are both what is happening over here? Um, also, as a side note, this was kind of my goal for the longest time was how can I not be terrified of my body changing into this like unrecognizable form and getting bigger and bigger and bigger all the time, but also like eat whatever I wanted. And I truly thought that that was not possible until it was. And now I'm at this point where you know, I've, my body's been pretty much the same for the last seven years without any conscious like rules about what not to eat. Like I'll have rules about, Oh, I'm hungry. I should eat. That's kind of my rule. Um, but there's so much permission and it's like, wow, when things are functioning properly and when I'm connected to how I feel and when I know like this is the exact amount of food I want to have. Um, I have this joke with my partner because I'm so precise with my feelings around my appetite that if there's, you know, three little bites left on the plate, but I'm done, I'm done. I will put that in a little container in my fridge and save it for the next day for like a random snack. Like if I'm done, I'm done. And also if I want more, I'll have more. And I think that is just the most freeing thing because in the past it was either finish your plate or it was like, you know, don't have as much as you want. And now it's so much like, Maybe sometimes my eyes are bigger than my stomach, quote unquote, but it doesn't matter. I'll just put that food back in the fridge and save it. You know, like I don't have to be changed to this idea of these are the portions that you have to eat and this is what's right for you. It gets to change every day and it's playful and it's fun. And it's so much of a practice of tuning into my body in every, you know, food moment. And, um, And a lot of the time I'm eating a lot more than probably most people would imagine, but it's like, I'm so connected. Like I know what I need and that's it. And I think this is, this is like this sort of weird prized reality that so many of us are craving. Like, can I feel and nourish myself as much as I want to 
and like just live in a body that I feel like is me, you know, and I'm happy with, and that is functioning well. And it's like, absolutely you can. So that's a nuanced conversation too, but I just think it's interesting because it was a goal for such a long time. And now that I've arrived here, I'm like, yes, people, you can have this. <laughs> oh, I love that. No, that's so inspiring. Um, cause it's definitely something that I want to work on, um, in terms of l- listening to the body when, you know, I've had enough or not enough because it is, it is so weird um, to go through this process of, oh, I can only fill the bowl until here and that's it. Yeah. And, um, or I need a smaller bowl because I've obviously been eating too much with the big one, or I need to portion out, you know, the food in this way and that way to make sure that I don't overeat because I am also like, I need to finish the plate. Um, yeah. If it's there, like, I mean, but that's also because usually I eat with a distraction. Um, so. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely something that, um, I need to look at. Um, so yeah, it's very interesting. So thank you for sharing that. Well, and what you were just sharing about, like choosing the right bowl or the right portion in the bowl, et cetera. I know there are so many shows, um, like television shows about weight and weight loss and whatever. And a lot of the time they'll bring in some kind of doctor eating psychologist or whatever. And they'll say, yeah, like, look, you fill up your plate more when you have this size, you know, of a, of a dish rather than this size and da, 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 da. And I'm like, here's what's wrong with that conversation. None of it matters because no matter how much you fill up your plate, when you're tuned into your body, you're still going to stop eating when you stop eating. So I think there's such a like backwards um, approach to a lot of this food stuff because it's like, Hack your brain around food. It's not about your brain, right? It's about your body. And obviously, yes, is your, are your brain and body in communication when it comes to your appetite and hunger and satiation and all that kind of stuff? Of course. But where do you feel it? You feel it in your body, right? Yes, your brain and your body are signaling to each other. Okay, here we put the hunger hormone and here we put the satisfaction hormone and et cetera. But where do you feel it? You feel it in your stomach. And so I think all of these things about, well, if you have, you know, this portion of something and you, you eat it with this many vegetables, you'll actually eat less of this or all of those hacks. It's like, that is genuinely irrelevant. And it's why we're not solving a lot of these quote unquote problems that these television shows say they're solving, which is like obesity or whatever it is. Why are those numbers not improving? Even though all of these experts are talking about eating psychology. Because it's not the thing. It's like, we don't need these hacks and tricks. It's not about the hacks and tricks. It's about having a relationship. And this is the same thing I talk about with cycles, right? It's like, it's not about having the perfect productivity hacker system. It's do you listen to your body and know how to respond to your body when it's telling you that it needs rest or it needs, you know, whatever else. Um, And so I just think like, this is such a huge thing that I think we need to rewire collectively is forgetting all these rules and tricks that are supposed to help us eat less or whatever it is and actually tune into, no, no, no. Like what is my body saying? You know, you should be able to eat with a blindfold and have no idea how much you've actually eaten and your body's going to tell you exactly when to stop. Like that is the goal because that is how you're meant to function. This is how babies function, right? Babies don't know how many ounces of breast milk or formula am I having right now? They just stop when they're done, right? Like, yes, that is what, how we were all programmed. And the reason that we have 
hangups about it is because of um, this cultural recognition that we have and the self-awareness that we have as we get older that, ooh, there are rules around this, this food stuff. And maybe I should adopt that because that person told me to, and they're an authority figure or they look very beautiful and I want to look like that or da, 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 da. Mm -hmm. And if we just completely got rid of all that stuff, we would realize that we had the answers in our own systems the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's interesting. Cause I, I actually grew when I, when I was, you know, at parties or whatever, or when I was at dinners, with people um, up until a few years ago, well, maybe sometimes, I guess, depends on the people. I'm still scared to go for seconds because other people haven't. You know, it's yeah. one of those really weird things where um, you just, you don't wanna be the one that eats too much because everyone else is done. Um, and I did that so many times um, when I was younger where I was still really hungry um and i felt like i didn't have enough to eat but i was terrified to ask for my plate to be filled again or to get up and do it myself because i didn't want to be the the one <laughs> i didn't want to be the one to do that when no one else had and i would also always only um have a snack at someone's house like when they would ask me are you hungry i'd say no and I would only, only ever eat something if they were eating something. Um, and yeah, it's, it's those weird things where you just, um, you, yeah, it's, it's such a weird kind of program thing in your, in your head to get rid of. Yeah, it's so true. And I think, I mean, this is why, you know, the, when I'm working with people on food and body, they need a community, right? Like, and this is why when I, when I was thinking about how do I want to bring this into my work, I was so clear that I wanted it to be a group program because when you're around, like, unless you have a group that fortifies you and encourages you, yes, like eat the things that you want and, and talk and do what feels best for you. And you have those people who even if they're not with you at the dinner table in the back of your mind, you're like, Oh, I'm going to talk to them about this. And they're going to cheer me on unless you have some sort of support network. It's really hard to unlearn those patterns because you feel this fear of social rejection. Mm -hmm. And that is really real. Um, we talk a lot about like the, you know, fight, flight, freeze, fawn, um, responses and how those relate to food. And I had a really, I actually, this, this particular little part of the, one of my classes went over like really well. Um, like people were like, what? Because when I showed them, look, this is a freeze response or this is a fawn response specifically in relation to food. It was like, oh, that's why it feels like so terrifying to take that second helping or whatever it is, because you're, you feel like I am going to be socially kicked out and that signals death, right. To my subconscious. And I don't want that. Right. So it's, but when you recognize that when you can unlearn that response and realize, no, 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 you're actually going to be fine. And you know how you know that because all these people are standing with you making the same choices that are best for them. Yeah. then you feel like, oh, they didn't die. <laughs> so I won't die either. And now I can do this. And the more support and strength you have, the more you can um, handle 
triggering moments where maybe someone does make a comment about how much you're eating or how little you're eating or what you look like and you're out in your clothes, but you're so connected to your own truth and knowing that it doesn't bother you anymore. Um, so these are like things that are just, it's, the, it's why I talk so much about it's deprogramming, it's deprogrammed programming, deprogramming, because that's what it is. It's deprogramming from ways of operating that we've gotten so used to. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, no, all of this is just incredibly mind blowing and inspiring. Um, I guess I I do have a few questions for you um, that I love asking um, everyone who comes on here. Um, So what has been like your biggest pivot point in your life? in terms of all of this work that you do? Was there like a full moment where you went, yes? Oh, I think so. I will, I'll talk about the moment where the seed was planted, I would say, because this was before I had like the business that I have at all. But it was around the time when I was starting to learn about things like cycles and, you know, different approaches to eating, intuitive eating and all that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I remember, this is so funny, but I remember like walking in my neighborhood and signing up for a knitting class to make socks or slippers or something like that. And, um, going to this little cafe and buying a um, some kind of like salad or something, but it wasn't a salad with lettuce. It was like some kind of bowl, we'll say like a bowl of something to go. And I know this sounds so random and you're like, what does this have to do with anything? (laughs) That day I said to myself, I'm just going to do and eat what makes me happy and stop caring about whether this is up to a certain expectation or standard or pathway that I believed I was supposed to be on before. And this was around the time that I started to even be aware of like these online coaches and people that ended up being such um, beacons for me and, and actually made me realize, oh, they're doing, they're offering programs and they're teaching about this. And, and, and this is something that's clearly needed in the world. Maybe I could start to do that. This was well before any of that was happening, but it planted the seed because I saw how them breaking away from diet culture, hustle culture, um, all of these norms had impacted me because I was just on their email lists or like, you know, downloading freebies or whatever it is and recognizing, oh my gosh, like I can choose to be a completely different person. And I just still remember walking. I remember the exact street I was walking down. I remember walking to this little like knitting class and signing up for it and then going and getting that salad and going for a little walk. And at the time, maybe three months before, I was like in the worst place ever. I, would, I hated my body. Mm-hmm. I felt so trapped with food. I felt like I had no fun and joy and pleasure in my life. And pleasure is something we talk about so much in my work, especially in Ignite, because so many of us, like that's one of the easiest pathways to reconnect with the way our bodies feel, like our actual embodied sense is through pleasure. And I had none of that. I wasn't doing anything for fun. I was just working and going to school. And I just had that day where I was like, no, no, it's going to be different. And from that day forward, I never looked back. And I just completely had, I just started to go after the things that made me feel good. And also, you know, and, and this is something I teach you about a lot of the time, the things that make you feel good are good for you. 
I know that there's like a lot of things that people say, you know, this might make you feel good in the moment, but it's not good for you. But the things that make you feel good for like 10 seconds or two hours, they don't actually make you feel good. That's the thing. Like people have this weird, you know, getting really drunk. That doesn't actually feel good. Right. Like to the point where you're blacking out or something like that. And so something that I talk about a lot um, is the things that actually feel good in a consistent way, like they feel fulfilling, they feel like they light you up. Usually they're also good for you. So that's another thing we kind of have to unlearn and trust ourselves about is, okay, if I'm doing this thing and I'm enjoying it and like, it's, it's inspiring me, it's sparking something in me, it's nourishing me, it's probably also good for me. So it was just such a shift and it, it made the biggest difference. And I'm so grateful that I decided to go on a journey first of finding alternative um, perspectives and people who are talking about food and body in different ways than what I was used to, but also that those people existed, you know, and it's what fuels me now because even when I have times in my business where I'm like, Oh, I wish I could reach more people and have more clients. It's like, but I'm here for the people who do find me. And like, that's really the thing we got to, we have to focus on is, just keep being there because someone's going to find you and you're they're, You're going to genuinely change the trajectory of their life. And I have clients who've told me things like that and told me about, Hey, I worked with you two years ago and this is everything that's changed in my life since. So we just have to remember that we, we need each other. And when we have something to share that has changed our lives, we can't be silent about it. So, wow, that went into <laughs> a huge statement, but that was the moment. And as what random and somewhat um, ordinary as it seemed, it was like absolutely life-changing for me. Yeah. No, I love that because I can really resonate with that as well. Um, just remembering like a day really clearly um, that has just pivoted everything. Um, what is one thing from like all of your medicine that you share um, or that you do that you will never stop doing, that you will always, always do and come back to? Oh, oh my gosh. What a question. I think, I think it's just um, helping people get connected with how they feel, like their body's feeling basically differentiating between their thoughts and their feelings, like their body sensations. And I don't mean feelings like fear or anxiety or, you know, uh, sadness. I mean, like, how do you like, how do you actually feel? Like, do you feel warmth in your abdomen? Do you feel a tingle in your fingers? Like, how do you actually sensory feel? And like, what is that telling you? Do you feel restlessness in your legs? Like, what is that? And I think once we are have dropped the energy and focus from just our brains down into our bodies. Mm -hmm. And we have those signals. The more we practice that, the more attuned we get to what we need, the healthier and stronger we become. And I think no matter what I do, that body wisdom process is always going to be there because it's like, in a way, you don't even need the information if you can do that. <laughs> because you can pretty much just start practice listening to yourself. And that was so much of my own journey. And it took longer, I will say. And that's why like the, when I offer programs, it's not because you can never figure this stuff out on your own. It's just that I did it in six years. You can do it in six weeks, you know? Mm -hmm. So that body, that tapping into your body and 
and learning how to really feel sen- in a sensory embodied way, I think is just going to be forever a big piece. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing um, about that. Um, one of my other questions is what do you love the most about your life today? I know there's a lot going on, so. Ah! <laughs> mm. I have so much freedom mm. and it's like, like, it's my one of, it actually really is my core value. Mm. Um, I would say, and it's what I've always wanted. And there's just certain, even when I was a kid, I remember one time standing in the, and feeling the wind on my skin and just standing and being like, wow, the wind is so free. I just want to feel like the wind all the time. Like I can do whatever. And, mm. um, I, sometimes I get anxious because I, or not even really anxious, but sometimes I think, oh, should I be doing this? Should I be doing that? You know, we all have those thoughts. And some days I have days like today where we were chatting, we we had to push our interview forward because I went to Ikea with my partner to get some new things for our house. And I'm sort of like, oh, wow, my whole morning was spent at Ikea. Like, what did I even really do? for my work in the world today. But then it's like, wow, I can take a morning to go to Ikea, you know, and if I need to. And it's such a huge blessing. And I think I've almost, because it's just been part of my life for a while now, like at least a couple of years, um, but more, more than ever this year, I sort of take it for granted. And I, I stopped really, I've stopped recognizing this is so not the reality for many people. And wow, I could be so much more vocal and um, embodied in sharing like this is what it feels like to have this kind of time freedom and spaciousness and creative freedom. And it's what so many of my clients are craving freedom in their bodies. Right. And uh, I think that's just something I'm just so grateful for that the cards kind of lined up in such a way that I was able to create this and then and offer it as an option for people who are looking for it. So I'm really grateful for the freedom. And I also know, you know, in different stages of my life, like, especially as we're settling down and thinking about starting our own family, like that freedom is not going to look the same, you know? So I'm really taking a moment these days when I, when I think of it to, to be like, wow, I am so grateful that I can have days where I really get to structure a day based on things that I want to do and need to do. And I don't have certain, um, obligations that a lot of people have with their jobs and and things like that. And I can, I don't, you know, necessarily live like that right now. And it's a huge gift. And there's also a huge gift to having that structure and those commitments and things like that. But just at this point in my life, I'm just really grateful for the freedom. (laughs) No, I'm so happy for you. Um, Is there anything else that, you know, that you feel like I really feel like someone needs to hear this? Uh, I think again, um, just the piece about feel like your feelings and trusting, trusting your sensations and also allowing yourself. Yeah. Okay. This is the one I'm going to land with. Cause I was just mulling over a few and I'm like, I have to go this way or this way. Okay. You, even if so, so when I was in the stage of my life when I was really unhappy with my body and I was feeling like my body was the number one thing holding me back from happiness and joy and freedom and all these different things. 
So has my body changed since then? Yeah, like a little bit. It has changed over the years. But the thing that changed how I felt in my body wasn't actually my size or or aesthetic or the visuals changing so much. It was me claiming that identity of, okay, if this is how I want to feel, who is that person who feels that way? How can I show up as that person right now? And getting really comfortable. And that was like that moment with the knitting class and buying that bowl and walking down the street was that moment where I was like, I am choosing this identity, even though three months ago, I would have felt unworthy to feel just so relaxed and happy with my life because I should be working on my body and I should be, you know, restricting what I'm eating. And I should be, I should look a different way first mm-hmm. and then create the happiness that I want. And it's like, no, you can choose to live that life now by identifying as the person who has all those things. And I know this is not a new idea, but I think it's not often applied to food and body stuff. A lot of people talk about it with like manifestation and business and money. You can completely adopt it for your body as well. If the version of you who you imagine has that ideal body is doing anything different in their life, if they're having a lot more fun, if they have, you know, these just wonderful meals that are just so beautifully made. If they're doing um, dance classes or knitting classes or, you know, going out more or whatever it is, mm-hmm. do it. You, you're already that person. The blueprint is in you. If you have that such a clear image, like that's you. Mm-hmm. Welcome. You know, you're, you're, you're in your life now instead of feeling like you're waiting for it. And I think that's the biggest thing. Like you don't have to wait for your life and your joy. You get to live it now and um, ignite the whole imagery of ignite and and lighting a fire Mm -hmm. is you get to light that up now that like fiery, hot, spicy, whatever version of you that you imagine will come when your body issues are done. Mm -hmm. That's you now, you know, show up as her show up as, as that person and everything it will rearrange and change once you make that choice. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, that's, it's so inspiring. It's been inspiring to listen to you this whole time. Um, yeah, just thank you so much for your time today as well within everything that's going on at the moment. Um, and I guess my final question to you is where can people find you? Mm, Well, first of all, thank you so much, Darlene, for having me. And this was so fun. And I, yeah, I'm very excited for people to 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 hear this, and and just so grateful to be on your beautiful podcast. Um, people can find me. The best place is on Instagram, uh, Instagram.com/slash Sarah Zero Blake. And hopefully, by the time this podcast comes out, I'm gonna have a new free resource out called the Pleasure Fed Body, and it will be all about um, reclaiming our relationship with pleasure through food and sort of like really the thing that helps fuel and satisfy us is having a pleasurable experience with food but many of us deny the pleasure in food because it's like oh if it's too good it's it tastes too good if it's you know whatever it's probably not very good for me or I should avoid it and it's like rewiring that whole approach so I'm hoping that that freebie will be out at the link in my bio at that time um so also if people were interested in this episode that'll be there and if it's not there by the time this podcast comes out 
it'll be there soon. So make sure you follow me so that you get your hands on it as soon as it comes out. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, no, I highly recommend following Sarah. I've learned so much from you. And I don't know how long it's been now since I followed you, maybe like two years. Um, And I still remember, I still have your guide somewhere, um, your tracker freebie. Um, I still have that uh, on your website. That helped me so much. That was one of the first um, aha moments um, when I filled that out, when I was filling that out. And I was like, oh my God, wow. Um, So yeah, thank you so much for the work that you do and for sharing so much here today as well. Um, I really appreciate you and yeah, thank you. Oh, I appreciate you too. It was my pleasure. This was so fun. 